There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, on Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, on Erev Shabbos Kedish, Parshas Shemini, first Shabbos, after the end of Chag HaPesach, amazing, amazing, I hope your Chag was as beautiful as mine was, Baruch Hashem, that you had time to spend with the family, and and enjoy the the Sedarim together, and some time together, and that by hopefully by now, Everything is cleaned up and put away, and the house is sort of back to some semblance of of normalcy. But anyway, it's amazing, Baruch Hashem, to have you all on board. Thank you so much for joining us, for taking the time to tune your radio device, whatever you might be listening on, to Chai FM, to listen to our show. Let's start with a, a very interesting historical story based on, on the Parsha. It says, on the 17th of Adar, in the year Tav Kuf Nun Gimel, which was 1793, Rabbi Cheskalanda, known as the Noyleb Yehuda, uh, was Nifter after serving for 28 years as the Rav of the huge Kehila in, in Prague. Even during the, the Shiva, the, the uh, leaders of the community got together to try to find a, a, a replacement. Who was going to fill the seat of their of their esteemed Rav? And of course, different names were raised, names of, of well-known Rabbanim who had uh, distinguished themselves as as Poiskim, as Moriyara, well known in, in other in other Kihilas. And uh, while they were busy discussing it, so Rabbi Yaakov who was the second of the three sons, the middle of the three sons of Rav Cheskel, uh, announced very, very emotionally, I see that, uh, that uh, as he says, I, 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 I am obligated to, to let you know that Abba Zatzal left a tzava, left a lost will before he died, that his oldest son, <coughs> Rav Shmuel, should take his seat as as the rov as the uh, as the avbezdin in our in our in our kehila. Now, when they heard this, so there obviously was a lot of tumult amongst the people that were gathered. They were kind of broken into two camps. Many of the leaders felt that we know mitzvah lekayim divri ames. It's a mitzvah to carry out the words of a dying man, and that Rav Shmuel should be straight away. Installed as the, as the Rav. However, the others say, one second, how can you rely on, on the, on the testimony of Yaakov? Surely he is, uh, uh, uh subjective. He's, uh, he has Nigias. He has his own subjectivity and his brother should become the king. The, 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 the Rav. So, because of this, uh, this whole, this whole discussion, so Rav Yaakov again asked permission to speak and he said as follows. He says, in the beginning of the sixth parasha, it says, Ashmini, on the eighth day, Korah Moshe Aaron Levanov, Moshe called Aaron and his sons and the Sekenim. 
And the Menesh Tanchuma says, why did they have to call this a Kenim? In all, so the Gemara said, the, the, the Medrash says, in order to, to, uh, 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 make Aaron's stature great in front of the Zikanim. HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe, call the Zikanim and anoint Aaron as the, as the, uh, Kohen Gadol, and I will again give him the greatness in front, in front of them. So that no one should say Aaron appointed himself to be the coin god. Now, there's an obvious question. If the Sakanim wouldn't believe Aaron and suspect that he appointed himself to be the coin god, so, uh, uh, uh and, and not that it wasn't, up, uh, you know, up Hashem, why would they believe Moshe? When Moshe said, no, Hashem commanded Aaron to be the coin god. <laughs> Moshe's his brother. How are they gonna believe him either? So it must be. That Aaron, the Zikanim, wouldn't believe because if he had touted his own suitability as being Kohen God, that didn't necessarily didn't have to come from HaKadosh Baruch That would be a, a, a subjective, perhaps, choice. But they would believe Moshe because if Moshe really was out for his own uh, self-aggrandizement, he would have announced that he should be the Kohen God. The fact that he chose... His brother is considered that an objective decision, and 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 that they would that they would uh, uh, believe. So Yaakov says, "If I really wanted to lie to you, I could have said that my father said that I should be the 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 rov. The fact that I, I'm telling you that it's Shmuel, my brother, you should you should uh, 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 believe me, and that's in fact uh, what happened. Didn't take very long until." Rav Shmuel was in fact uh, installed as the uh, the new the new uh, Rav of, uh, of, uh, of 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 Prague, and he actually served until the end of his uh, of his life in eighteen thirty thirty seven. We'll be back in a moment. This is one one point nine high FM salt to salt. Stay with us. Lots more to come. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine high FM. 101.9, Chai FM, we're back on your radio here in Johannesburg on Air Shabbos Kodesh Parshas Shemini. It's so nice to have you on board as we share some time together, learning a bit of Torah, getting ready for the coming, the coming Shabbos. So one of the main features of this week's Parsha, in fact, the second uh, half of the Parsha from Shishi onward, discusses the, uh, the birds and the animals, and the fish, and the crawly things, which ones one is allowed to eat, which ones are considered kosher by Jewish law, and which ones are are uh, are, are not. And the Pasuk says, But this is what you shall not eat. And he gives three uh, 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 examples of animals that one cannot eat. Number one, Esagomel. The camel, why? Even though it chews its cuds, but it doesn't have splitters. And then we have the shofan and the the hyrax. Again, it does have it does uh, uh, chew its cuds, but but it doesn't have 
split hooves. So that is also un, unclean to you. And the Esarnevis and the hare, Gimalagero also, third animal. It does chew his cud. Ufasa but it doesn't have split, uh, hooves. So, Tameahilachem. This is all, all, all tummy. So the, the Torah is teaching us that in order for an animal to be considered kosher, right, it has to possess two identifying signs or, or, or characteristics. Number one, it has to have split hooves and it has to chew or bring up its, its, uh, its cut. Now, we're taught that these three animals, the camel, the hyrux, and the hare, so they chew their cut. But since they don't have split hooves, they are considered to be un unkosher. Now, in the uh, uh, in the sefer of uh, of Yitzchitzus uh, of Yitzchak Hershkowitz Shlita, so he actually makes an interesting observation, and 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 notes what appears to be a kind of an anomaly in in with the Torah recording the three circumstances of these three animals that don't have a that don't have the split hooves. In case of the first animal, and that is the the camel, so the Torah writes Uparsa Enenu Mafris, which kind of loosely translated means it presently doesn't have split hooves. The next animal, the hyrax, is described by the Torah as Ufarsa loy yafris, which means it will not have split hooves. And the last animal, the hare, is portrayed as uparsa loy hifrisa. It did not have split hooves in the, in the past tense. And that's very interesting. Why does the Torah vary? It's Characterization of the unkosher aspect of the animal in, in three different tenses. It could have just as well listed them in one, in one tense. So Rav Hershkowitz wants to suggest a, a, a lesson that gives us a terrific, terrific, uh, 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 musar. To, to all of us and an inspiration concerning how we're supposed to look and judge other, other, uh, other people. Chazal teach us that have a don eskol ha'adam lechaf zuchus. That you have to do that, which literally means judge every person favorably. Right, give everyone the benefit of, of the doubt. Right? Or a, a common sort of variation of this concept is, right? Alta dinis chaveroi. Right? Don't judge another person. 
and the way they translate is until you've walked, you know, about 10 kilometers in his shoes. And of course, we never really are able to understand a person until we consider things from his point of view, from his vantage point, right? Based upon what he has experienced in, in his, uh, in his life, right? What's the meaning of have done as kol ha'adam? Every person or more, more correctly, perhaps all of the person, right? And the accepted understanding of this phrase is every person has a past, right? Every person lives currently in the, in the present. And with Bez Hashem's help, Hashem's help, he will have a, a future. When you're about to judge someone, don't judge him solely on his past actions or even his present demeanor. Every person hopefully has a, has a future. He might, he might change. Circumstances in his life might be altered to the point that his future now appears much brighter and much more hopeful. Every person has a moment, a period, a stage in, in his life in which he doesn't necessarily, uh, 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 meritoriously judge the whole person, which includes the past, the present, and the future. As Maral puts it, only Hashem is able to judge the whole person. Only Hashem knows every person's good and bad deeds and their motivations and, and their provocations also. Many people have seriously erred in life and made some really, really poor choices and decisions. These same people could really be good people who sadly became victims of others due to circumstances completely beyond their, their control. Or maybe they're good people who just happen to fall in with the wrong, uh, the wrong crowds. So before we can judge any of them and kind of writing them off, which unfortunately is so, is so common, remember that we have a concept of kolodam, all of the person. Hashem is the only one who can judge any person in the context of his whole life, and thus acknowledging the good and bad that uh, that comprise his life. So now we can go back to the psukim, which uh, which uh, talk about the split, the lack of the split hooves in these three animals in the past, present, and and future. The Torah is teaching us that before we render the simone tuma these signs of ritual impurity, we have to be certain that it was impure, is impure, and for all intents and purposes, based upon what we see now, it's going to continue in its impurity with no redeeming value. Only then does the Torah agree to refer to this creature as, as a, uh, as, as a, as a, as a tummy. You know, there's an interesting, uh, uh, idea 
that uh, um, which is something uh, all of us are, are, are guilty. You know, a teacher once conducted an experiment with his class. He held up a white paper plate in which he had placed a small black dot. And he asked the, the students to describe to him what they saw. First student said he saw a black spot. Another student said that it was a target for shooting practice. A third one said he simply saw a, a faulty or dirty plate. Teacher looked at the class and said, did not anyone among you see a white plate? We've become so attuned to looking at and picking up all the black spots. Essentially, this was a large white plate with a teeny black spot in the middle. We're so used to looking for the dirt, the negative, the imperfections, that we fail to see the large, the large picture. This is what we learn, right, from, from the, the, uh, the three treif animals that the Torah says. That look at the one teeny black dot on a large white plate. And it's only because the plate, the background, is so white that we even notice the black, the black dot. 101.9, and this is soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment with lots more amazing Torah. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Shemini, the first Shabbos after Pesach, as we get sort of back into a routine, but into our winter routine. Shabbos is getting early, as we'll discuss a bit later. It's great to have you with us. It's great to have you on the show as we talk about this week's Pasha, Pashas, Shemini. So, of course, in this week's Pasha is the climax, the time where the Shkina comes and, and begins to dwell in the, in the, uh, in the Mishkan. The Parsha begins, It was on the eighth day that Moshe called Aaron and his sons and all the elders of, of Klaiso. And Rashi tells us, clarifies for us, that this is referring to the eighth day of the inauguration. Right, of Aaron and his sons, which was on the first of Nisan, because that's when the Mishkan was, was erected, that's when the Mishkan went live. And the, the Talmud Yerushalmi says about this, that in fact, throughout the entire seven days of the inauguration, Moshe actually functioned as the Kohen Gadol, but the Shekhinah did not rest on, on, because of what he did. As soon as Aaron put on the special begodim of the Kohen Gadol and began serving in the Vesemikdash or the Mishkan, the Shechina rested on his account. What's the reason? Because the Pasuk says, Ki because today Hashem appears to you. So we learn that HaKadosh Baruch Hu only rested his Shechina in the Mishkan after Moshe Rabbeinu had first served as the Kohen for the seven days, that didn't work by itself. And then Aaron HaKayin replaced him and offered up the Karbanas on the eighth day of the inauguration ceremony. That brought down the, 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 the Shrina. And this very, very beautiful partnership of Moshe and Aaron 
continued to grow and to get to get uh, uh, stronger. We see later on uh, in in the pasuk it says that Moshe and Aaron came together to the oil moed, and then they went out and they gave a bracha. They benched the people, and then by and the glory of Hashem appeared to the entire to the entire nation. And Rashi again explains why was it necessary for both Moshe and Aaron to go into the oil made together. Rashi says, upon seeing that all the kabbanis had been offered and the entire service had been performed and the Shekhinah hadn't yet descended for Kaiso, Aaron became very distressed and said, I know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has become angry with me and it's on my account that the Shekhinah didn't descend for Kaiso. He said to Moshe, Moshe, my brother, this is what you have done to me. I began performing the Avodah <laughs> at your behest. And I was embarrassed because the Shekhinah didn't come down. Immediately, Moshe entered the oil maid with him and they davened HaKadosh Baruch for mercy and the Shekhinah descended for, for, for Klaeser. Rashi, further on, explains the, the, the significance of that, what it's written, what does it mean? They went out by Varchus Am and they blessed the, the, the people. They said the beautiful bracha, the Yinayam Hashem Lakechamalem, may the pleasantness of Hashem be upon, be upon us. May the Shekhinah rest in the work of, of your hands. And Rashi explains here that the conclusion of the whole seven days of inauguration, even before Aaron came to the Mizbeach to bring Korbanus, the people of Yisrael expressed their, their, their deep, deep pain to Moshe Rabbeinu for seven days. Moshe Rabbeinu had erected the Mishkan and did all the Avoid in it and then took it down every evening, seven days. And despite all of their, of their good intentions and all the efforts, the Shekhinah didn't come amongst Kaiso. And, and they wanted some kind of indication, some kind of solace that they had been, been, been granted forgiveness for the, for the Avera of the, of the, of the Ega. And Moshe responded, uh, uh, this is what HaKadosh Baruch has commanded you to do, Aaron. And if that, and, and, uh, you know, Aaron, that he said, he says to Aaron, Aaron, you're much worthier and more important than me, right? Because your kabbanis and, and your avayda, the shkina is going to come. And, and then you'll know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has, has, has uh, chosen you and forgiven Klaisa. So from all of this, we see that in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to rest the shkina in, in the Mishkan, it could only happen after both brothers had fulfilled their roles. Moshe had initially served as the Kohen Godel for the seven days of Imulum, of inauguration. And then on the eighth day, Aaron had brought all the Karbonus and they had, that they had been commanded to, to bring on, on the Mizbeach. And even then, the Shekhinah didn't descend immediately. It only descended after both of them entered the Mishkan together to Davin. 
Finally, when they came out and 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 benched the people, then uh, 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 then the the the, the shkina the shkina came and, and a fire came down from from Shemayim and 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 consumed all the all the uh, all the carbonus and then the people rejoiced and they fell and they fell on their on their faces. So we have to understand. On, on a very practical level, what is the significance for each and every one of us of this incredible partnership of these two very, very holy brothers that brought that together, brought about the Shekhinah into, into the Mishkan? What, what lesson is there for us practically to learn and implement in our own current lives, in our own current situations where we have no Based in Mikdash existence. How do we sort of replicate the combined efforts of Moshe and Aaron in order to merit that the Shekhinah should dwell in our lives inside, inside us? So to begin to understand this, let's, let's learn a Yesayda, a principle that's learned from the, the, uh, teachings of the, of the, uh, of the Svas the Svas Emet, which he mentions several, several, several times. He explains that Aaron was appointed as the Kohen Gadol instead of Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu was what he calls a Tzadik Gamor, a consummate, a total Tzadik. He had never in his life experienced an Avera. Therefore, he was incapable of being the one who would be Mesaka and who would rectify the, the, the sin of the Ego for Klaiso. That required someone who was a Balchuva. Aranakim, on the other hand, he had been the one that fashioned the Ego for the people. Thus, he was a Balchuva. Therefore, he fit the bill. He was able to offer the Kabanus that, uh, on their behalf to be Mesaka that, that terrible, that terrible sin. So based on this Sfasemis, he then goes on and explains the, the, the significance of the Pasuk that says, You go to the Mizbech and do your chatas and your oila and, and uh, provide atonement for yourself and for the, for the people. And we said Rashi explains in the name of the Teres Kainim, that Aaron had to be coaxed. He felt ashamed and was afraid to approach. Therefore, Moish said to him, why are you ashamed? This is what you were chosen for. In other words, because he had made the ego, Aaron felt so ashamed and so unworthy. Hence, Moish Rabbeinu had a sort of hint to him that he was in fact uh, uh, compelled from Shemayim to make the ego, as, as we discussed uh, at a different time, so that he would then be able to be the one that could fix up the 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 people's avera as as their as their as their kind as their kind girl. Let's 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 enhance this a little bit. There's, there's a Gemara in Avodah that says that Klal Yisrael only made the ego in order to provide encouragement for Balei Tshuva. And Rashi explains that Klaiso in that generation 
were on such a level, they were so virtuous and had such control over the, of the Yetzirah. They would never have succumbed to such a, such, such Yetzirah and made the Egel had it not been decreed from Shemayim that they do so in order to be able to provide encouragement for Balei Tshuva. Thus, if a, any Avera, any, any Avera do any sinner would argue that he would not repent because he was confident that his tshuva would never be accepted, they could respond to him, <laughs> go and learn from the episode of the Egel Hazov. They committed literally a terrible sacrilege and nevertheless, they were accepted back using tshuva. So it's clear that the fact that Aaron Akoyim had fashioned the ego wasn't in this case a, a shortcoming at all. On the contrary, Hakadosh Baruch Hu chose him to enact the 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 the, the gzera, the heavenly gzera of making the ego in order to demonstrate to the people the 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 incredible ability of of tshuva, and kind of in this context. Moshe's remark to Aaron makes such great sense. Aaron was ashamed and was afraid to approach him as Be'ah because of his role in the Ega. Therefore, Moshe comforted him by saying, what are you talking about? Why are you so ashamed? Don't you understand? That's exactly why you were chosen. In other words, it's specifically because of your role in, in the Cheta Ega, that HaKadosh Baruch has chosen you to be the Kohen Gadol and, 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 and bring about Bat Kapara for, for, for the, for the, uh, for the Yid. So we learn such an incredible, uh, 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 from, from what we've just, what we've just seen here. Moshe and Aaron, these two incredibly holy brothers, right, represented two great sources of light. On the one hand, Moshe Abenu was the preeminent tzaddik, and he represents those who never sinned. On the other hand, Aaron Akayin was the preeminent Balchuva, representing those who sinned and now try to make amends by performing sincere and absolute tshuva. That's when the Mishnah in Ovis says in the name of, 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 of Hillel, be like the, the, the students of Aaron, love peace, pursue peace, love people and bring them close to, to, uh, uh, to Torah. So, so, uh, with this we can explain the, the, the following, uh, 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 Sukim very, very well, Pasuk says that who Aaron and Moshe? It says that Aaron and Moshe, to whom Hashem said, take Benayshal out of, out of, uh, out of Mitzrayim. In other words, first it says, this is Aaron and Moshe, and it concludes by saying, this is Moshe and Aaron, and it, it changes the order. And Rashi comments, there are places where the Torah puts Aaron before Moshe, and sometimes where he puts Moshe before Aaron to indicate that they are equivalent. So, 
why does it, why does the Torah have to, uh, uh, show us that they were equal to one another? So it makes sense. The Gemara says in, in, in Brochus, the Gemara says that, in the place where Balei Tshuva stands, Tzadikim Gemurim Einam Yecholim Lamed. Even perfect Tzadikim are not able to stand. And based on this Gemara, so we could, we could perhaps suggest as follows. Aaron, who was the Baal Tshuva, was greater than Moshe Abenu, who was the Tzadik Gamor. And therefore the Torah teaches that they were actually equal to, to one another. Now, why are they really, why are they really such, such equals? So, there's a beautiful Chavos Havavos in, in Shara Tshuva Perches. And he makes these statements that a real Baal Tshuva is someone who's heartbroken and feels such regret and such remorse for having sinned against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As a consequence, and this is a quote, he constantly submits and humbles himself before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the sin becomes a cause for his submission and for his constant effort to fulfill his debts to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He does not become arrogant in the least for his, for his good deeds. And, and he adds that such a Sinner is the one who is greater than the tzaddik who never sinned, right? Uh, 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 this sin or any other sin like it. Why? Because the tzaddik is not never assured that his heart will not become holy. He will, that he might not become a balgaiva because of all the mitzvahs that he that he does. But as one of the uh, tzaddikim would say to his to his students. If you were, if you were free of, of sin, so I would be afraid for you, right? On account of that, because being free of sin means that you run the real danger of becoming arrogant about it. Right? It says because uh, uh, pride and flattery are, 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 a, are a danger. But someone who's really understands the terrible uh, import of sin, will never become a Baal So this explains so nicely why it was necessary for the Torah to attest to the fact that Moshe and Aaron were equal to one another, even though Aaron was categorized as a Baal which is, as the Gemara says, a, a loftiest a status even than a, a total than a total tzaddik. For the likelihoods that a total tzaddik might become a Balgaiva, huh, that might apply to everyone, but certainly not to Moshe Rabbeinu. After all, the Torah explicitly says about Moshe Rabbeinu that the man Moshe was unav ma'oid, was exceedingly humble, more than any other person in the entire, in the entire world. Right? If we carry on with this line of thought. So now we can explain why HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to employ the, the joint efforts of these two brothers, Moshe Rabbeinu, the Tzaddik Gamor, and Aaron Akain, the Baal Tshuva, to prepare a dwelling place for his Shina. Because if we 
Think about the incredible simcha that was associated with the simcha space on sukkahs in the base of Mikdash. In fact, in the words of, of the Gemara in sukkah, someone who never saw the simcha space never saw rejoicing in his life. And Tysus explains the nature of the joy around the Simchas Beis Hashreva, says, Yushalmi explains that they drew Ruach HaKodesh from there. For the Shechina only dwells in an atmosphere of Simcha. As it says, that by Elisha, when the musician played, then then uh, Elisha was able to get uh, Ruach HaKodesh. Right? Yaina, it says, who was one of the, of the Oyala Regal, those who came up to the, uh, to the Beis Hamikdash, and the, and the Shkina rested upon him during the Simchas Pesach Shreva. In other words, the extraordinary joy associated with Simchas Pesach Shreva was attributable to the fact that those who attended were able to draw Ruach HaKadish from the presence of the, of the, uh, of the Shkina. So, if we understand the, the relationship between the Tzadikim and, and the Bale Tshuva at this, at, at this joyous ceremony, the Gemara tells us that some of the people, the rabbis would say, happy is our youth, which didn't shame our old age. And Rashi says that we never committed our virus in our youth, which we would be ashamed of in our old age. Those were the tzaddikim. And while some of them would say, happy is our old age, which has atoned for our, uh, unfortunately, for our misspent youth. Those were the bali tshuva. Both of these groups would say, right, Happy is someone who never sins, but to someone who did sin, let him, let him repent and do, and do, and do, and do tshuva. So the Balei Tshuva and the Tzadikim came together and this unique, special nature of the Simchas Pesach Shreva became apparent. All of Kaiso were privileged to experience the presence of the Shechina and to be, you know, uh, be able to drink the Ruach HaKadosh. Right, only because these two distinguished groups mixed to to uh, together the Hasidim, the the Anshe Maila, they 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 were the ones they spoke about their greatness as being people who never were tempted to Avera, and and the two together, the Tzadikam merged together to create the most beautiful uh, 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 uh ambiance and, and situation where the Shekhinah wants to come down and dwell in our Mishkan. We'll be back in a moment. This is 101.9 High FM. Soul to soul. Please stay with us. There's lots more to come. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb. Only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul, back on your radio here in Johannesburg. Erev Shabbos, Kedish, Pashas, Shemini, as we prepare for Rosh Chodesh. This week, Rosh Chodesh Iyar, and as we prepare for another beautiful Shabbos, this is the first so-called Chometzdik Shabbos after after uh, uh, Pesach. I wonder if you've put your 
key inside your challah, and if you have a good reason why we do this minute, we once discussed, and in, 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 if you look in the archives, you once spent a year discussing the concept of the key on, on Pasha's Shemini. But anyway, as we always do at this point in the show, to just go through the important times you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So the earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles Safnoon is at quarter to five, actually 4.44. Quarter to five, you can light your Shabbos candles. Get that Shabbos spirit going in your, in your house. Come on, guys. Get bath, get everything ready. Get, get all the food together. Come, let's not tarry. There's no time on, on Friday afternoon to, to, to mess around. Relax. Metzeshem Shabbos, there's time to, to, uh, to relax. Get the kids involved. You know, they're coming from school or they don't, or they're not in school, whatever it is. Get them. Give them everyone a job. Everyone should have a job on Friday afternoon to, I don't know, shine the shoes or set the table or make the dips or whatever it is that, that needs to get done. Everyone should be involved. The Gemara talks about the great, great Amaroim, who, believe me, were using every moment of their lives for Talmud Torah and important things. And they would do jobs. Cut the, cut the wood or, or, or cut the fish or prepare the vegetables. Something they did to be involved in honor of Shabbos. The greatest honor of a person is that they are involved in honoring Shabbos, it's not in any way a degradation, it's not in any way a lowering of my great honor to be involved in a menial task. On the contrary, for Shabbos there's nothing menial, everything is holy, everything is is sublime. So the earliest time is 4.44, the latest time for lighting candles this uh, this afternoon is at 5.39, 21 minutes before before six o'clock is the latest time for for lighting for lighting uh, uh, candles. Uh, Shkia therefore is at five fifty seven. Three minutes before six is already the the Shkia. It's getting early, so it's virtually moving a minute a day at 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 the moment in a big hurry to get to to get to uh, to get to to winter. So if you want to daven. Myrav and not have to repeat the uh, the Krishma. You just have to wait until six eighteen. Six eighteen. You can already daven and not have to repeat the the Krishma at. Uh, uh, sorry, did I say eight six eighteen six fifteen? <coughs> Even six fifteen, <coughs> you can daven Myrav and and not have to repeat the the Krishma tomorrow. As we know, is Pashas. Shmini, and we'll read the regular Haftarah for Pastor Shmini, which is a beautiful, beautiful uh, 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 narration of, of events in in uh, in the book of of Shmuel, uh, um, and and some amazing, amazing lessons that we can learn from from that Haftarah. This week is Shabbos Mavorchim, Rosh Chodesh Iyar. Bez Hashem will be on the on Monday and uh, Tuesday. Which is ushers out the month of Nisan and ushers in the month of, of, uh, of Iyar. Uh, then, of course, as we know, yesterday we celebrated, uh, Yom, Yom HaShoya, the Holocaust commemoration day. Next week will be the celebration of Yom HaZikaron, the memorial day for those that died in the Israeli wars. And then Yom HaTzmut, uh, this year not being celebrated on the appropriate day because actually the fifth of Iyar will be on Shabbos, and therefore we move it up, and the Yom HaZikaron will be on Wednesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday, and the Yom HaZikaron will be Wednesday night, 
Thursday this this week. So a very very exciting, very exciting uh, uh, a week. Um, it's still by mincha no no tzidkoscha, um, because it's still natachan. However, we do say avorachamim, even though we're saying Rosh Chodesh benching, we will say avorachamim because. Uh, uh, the time of the Sfira was a, a time of terrible, terrible tragedies amongst the Jewish, the Jewish nation. In fact, uh, um, on Shabbos will be the, the yard site of uh, Yeshua bin, bin Nun, the second leader of the Jewish nation after, after Moshe, after Moshe Rabbeinu. And, uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 628, 28 minutes. Past six is the end of, of Shabbos. As I said, Rosh Chodesh then is on Sunday night and, uh, and, and Monday night. We are in the period of counting the, uh, the Sphira. So, uh, today we counted 12. Um, and therefore, obviously, one understands what the next night, uh, will, will be. Uh, it's actually quite convenient because uh, if you're not sure where you are, just think of the fact that the weeks always end on Moitzai Shabbos. So 7, 14, 21, 28, uh, uh, 49 will all be on Moitzai Shabbos. You can always figure out just in case you're not grounded where you are by, by working on that. Also, of course, uh, once Rosh Chodesh comes, everybody is now observing the various laws of the, the morning of the, the Omer, which uh, precludes uh, having having weddings and and having haircuts and shaves and listening to music, but one can shop, one can one can say shechiono. It's not as severe a degree of mourning as uh, as we find during, let's say, the three weeks between Shabbat Shabbat and and, uh, and 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 Tishba. While we're here, then let's just talk about a few of the laws of the counting of the. Uh, of the Omer. The exciting news, by the way, is that we are about to restart the Hilchah Shabbos. After all, this is the Hilchah Shabbos year. We are going to be starting from the beginning. I'm not sure how many years it took us. It's a, a big number of years to get through all of it. And certainly, <laughs> I know uh, I need to, to revise, and I assume therefore that probably some of you who may have missed bits and pieces, and, and therefore that's, that's definitely a, a coming attraction. But this week, let's just go through a few of the, a few of the, uh, the, the laws. So, uh, first of all, we know the mitzvah is that each person counts by themselves. We don't, we don't have some, a representative, <clears throat> I'd say, do it, uh, do it for us, and and we don't. We're not just yaitze through the law of hearing somebody else saying it and having in mind to fulfill our obligation and doing so. We don't. We don't do that. However, one could uh, fulfill the obligation of making the the bracha, the blessing on this first Omer. Uh, let's say you're in a situation where uh, you missed one complete day. And therefore, you're not allowed to continue counting with a bracha. So, although you can't make the bracha yourself, right? And we'll, uh, uh, due to those opinions that hold that since you missed one day, you've lost out on the whole mitzvah, and therefore you can't make the bracha anymore. Nevertheless, you could hear the bracha from somebody else, answer amen, 
and fulfill your obligation of the bracha by hearing the bracha and saying, and that's why, uh, one of the reasons why we always have the, the rov or the chazan who says the sphere out loud, first of all, to remind people what the night is, and also for those who are no longer able to make the bracha, to be able to, to make the bracha on their behalf, and they can listen and say, uh, and say, uh, uh, amen. There's all controversy about women, where the women are obligated to count, because in, in, in theory it is a mitzvah, the set beginning and ending time, therefore qualifies as a mitzvah that says shazman garama, which really women are exempt from, but some say women have accepted it upon themselves to count, but some say they shouldn't make a bracha because they're, it's difficult for them to ensure that they're going to be able to do the whole count from 1 to 49. However, today with technology and reminders and all sorts of different ways of getting information to yourself, it's quite easy actually uh, uh, to remember to count. Obviously for a man, it's even easier because if a man is davening Mayrav in shul, then he should know that, uh, that the the uh, what what the day is encountered with the with the with the community, we count Sfira while standing. It's learned from a uh, from a a verse, and we count both the days and the weeks, as we learned. Uh, if one only counted the days, so then you should count again, and say the days and the weeks, but you don't repeat the bracha. If you only counted the weeks and didn't say the days at all, so just saying the weeks is not really enough, you would then have to recount and you do repeat the bracha uh, 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 again. Um, right. Um, and afterwards, there are various prayers. The minig is to say, Harachimon uh, hu we daven that Hashem should bring us back the base of Mikdash after counting this, because nowadays the mitzvah of counting the Omer is only drabonon, since we don't have the actual sacrifice of the Omer, which began the count in the time of the base of Mikdash, and we daven and hope that it will come back very, very soon. We'll be planning. speaking of coming back very soon, we will come back very soon after going to the shops. This is 101.9 FM, soul to soul, the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, soul to soul, on your radio, back on Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos, Kurdish Pasha Shmini, just with our last segment. We're going quickly through some of the laws of this first Omer. So there's a whole controversy amongst the, even the early commentaries, the Rishonim, whether the mitzvah of counting the Omer is one single mitzvah, with 49 components for all 49 days, or if each day is an independent mitzvah, in other words, 49 separate mitzvahs. The very, very practical difference would be, if it's all one long mitzvah, then if you forgot to count one day, so you've now cut the thread, it's no longer possible to fulfill the complete mitzvah. Therefore, you can't, anymore make the bracha. However, if there are 49 separate mitzvahs, so then even if you missed an individual day, so okay, you missed the mitzvah of that day. But the other 48 days, 
The next day, however, is a new independent mitzvah, and you should be able to make a bracha on the rest of the days that you will count. So, since it's an argument, we do as follows. If you forgot to count <coughs> one complete day, so then we don't no longer count with a bracha, since it's possible that by missing one day completely, you've broken the string and you can no longer fulfill the mitzvah. However, since according to other opinions, he can still fulfill the mitzvah, even though he missed one complete day, he should still continue counting in order to fulfill the obligation according to that opinion. So as we said, therefore continue counting, but don't make a bracha and try to hear it from somebody else, or the chazan, or your neighbor, and and uh, and fulfill the obligation of the bracha from them, and then count count your your uh, 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 yourself. There's also an argument whether you can only count by night, or if you're still fulfill your obligation, even if you didn't count by night, but you counted by by day. So, therefore, if a person did not count by the night, but did count by day, so. On the one hand, there's actually a, a double situation, a double doubt. Number one, perhaps the halacha is that counting by day is valid, so that you didn't actually miss a day yet. And even if counting by day would be invalid, perhaps the halacha is like that opinion which says that every single day is an independent mitzvah. So therefore, even if you missed a night, and counting the next day, the halacha is that you're able to fulfill your obligation by counting the, uh, 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 by counting and making a bracha on all the remaining, on all the remaining, uh, uh, nights. Same thing goes. If you're not sure whether you counted, you the whole day, you, you, you come to count tonight and you suddenly, I, you blacked out. I cannot remember if I counted today at all. So then the halacha is, that you're allowed to count with a bracha. Because first of all, same thing, it's the double doubt. Maybe I counted. And even if I didn't count, maybe each day is an independent mitzvah, and therefore I've, all I did was miss one mitzvah, and therefore I'd be allowed, in this case where I'm not sure, to count, carry on counting with a bracha. That's all the time we're going to have. Just a moment to wish each and every one of you a beautiful, beautiful good Shabbos, and 24 hours after that, a good Chodesh. Have a beautiful week, have a relaxing Shabbos, and thank you so much for being part of our radio family.